0: It was a Sunday in 2017. Chef Terrence Tomlin was working brunch service at the restaurant, just like he'd done a million times before. A day that would normally be busy, yet unremarkable. But that was the day that Terrence suffered two strokes during service, and everything would change. I'm your host, Chris Speer, and this is Chefs Without Restaurants, the show where I speak with culinary entrepreneurs and people working in the food and beverage industry outside of a traditional restaurant setting. So if you've been a long-time listener to the podcast, you might think this is a re-airing. I had Terrence on the show in early 2020. In fact, it might have been my first remote show. Back then, I was calling them the COVID Zoom sessions, recording them in my garage, and the audio was let's just say not up to par. But this isn't a re-airing; it's a new episode. Towards the end of last year, Terrence DM'd me on Instagram, basically saying that he was done with cooking and was going to move into a more of a content creation role. So, I was a little surprised last week when I saw him announce on Instagram that he was starting an ice cream company. Intrigued, I sent him a DM asking to get a little more info, and after we talked about it, I decided I wanted to have him back on the show. Terrence is going to talk about it on the show, but to give you a brief overview, after his stroke, he was left partially paralyzed. Five years later, he still doesn't have full function over his right side, which is his dominant side. He's not able to hold a knife in his right hand and he's still not able to drive. But Terrence has come a long way and gone on to do some amazing things, one of which was winning the seafood competition at the Maryland Foodie Fest. He's spent the past few years working as a personal chef, but he's always had a love of ice cream. Ice cream was a big part of the personal chef dinners he's done over the years. Now he's looking to ramp up production and begin sales. If you go to his Instagram, you can find more info about it, and right now he's crowdsourcing funds to help get it off the ground. As part of his business model, he plans on giving proceeds back to disabled people in the community. I know this episode comes on the heels of last week's episode with Christina Perello, where we talk about her overcoming a diagnosis of terminal cancer. I don't want to be too heavy-handed here, but maybe this is the year we all take our health and wellness more seriously. Unless you already have, and then that's great. And before I leave you today, I want to talk about a couple things that I love. I usually have a sponsor message here, but I just wanted to quickly rattle off some of the things that I've been using both at my house and for my business. These aren't paid sponsors, just things I really love and want to give a shout out to. Like many chefs, I'm a huge fan of oil and vinegar. I'm sure many of you heard my recent podcast with David from Cordo Olive Oil. I just got some of their oils, including their yuzu citrus oil. Last night, I roasted some broccoli and gave just a little spritz. Wow, took it to the next level and uh, my kids ate it. So big win there. And while I probably have 20 kinds of vinegar in my pantry, I'm really digging the ones from Lindera Farms. I'm especially fond of their gardener vinegar and heirloom pepper vinegar, but you can't really go wrong with anything that Daniel's making over there. I'm sure you're tired of me talking about tacos, but I'm banging out some kind of masa product every week. And that means not only using Masienda's masa harina products, but pressing out the tortillas on their Doña Rosa tortilla press and then throwing them on the baking steel griddle. Once again, none of these are paid sponsors. I just want to show some love. And if you really enjoy the show and want to do something nice, I would love for you to leave a rating and review for the podcast. I know that not all platforms offer a rating and review option, but if they do, I'd really appreciate it. And the best thing you can really do is share this podcast with your friends. Just let them know about the show. Post about it on social media. I'd love that. So that's it. I hope you enjoy this episode and have a great week. Hey, Terrence, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming back.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's uh, good to see you. It's been, we were just saying, almost three years. I think you were my first remote podcast after after COVID, right?
1: Almost three years, yeah. Wow.
0: Well, I definitely want to find out what's been happening with you since then. For our listeners, I don't want to cover all the same stuff, but I think, obviously, your background and history is pertinent. I guess the most important thing is like talking about maybe a jumping point from the stroke, right? Like you've been a chef for – how long were you a chef previous to your stroke?
1: I've been cooking for 33 years, um, but I was cooking professionally for about 15.
0: And then in 2017, you you suffered a stroke while you were working. So yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit
1: about that, if you don't
0: mind just kind of recapping. No, this. I don't mind
1: at all. So 11, 26, 17 – uh, the restaurant that I was working for, we were out for best brunch in the city. And the next thing I know, that was on a Sunday. The next thing I know, it was uh, it was Thursday. And um, I was completely paralyzed. But then my left side came back. My right side wouldn't. My right side is my dominant side.
0: And this happened while you were at work?
1: Yeah. So, do you have any
0: recollection of the rest of that day?
1: I don't remember anything at all. It was like sometimes I try to dig back into my mind and try to remember, but that just gives you a headache. You just you know, and I've talked to other stroke victims, and they they've kind of said the same thing because when it hits you, it hits you. But I, I try to find the beauty in in all ugliness, and it is one of the most humbling experiences because. I get to look at the world from a different place. I get to look at the world from a handicapped person's place and how they would feel. Simple things like, you know, hey, you want to go, you know, let's take a drive. You know, my my life isn't about taking a drive. I haven't driven a car in five years. So mine is, okay, got to call an Uber or a Lyft and got to cost it out and got to pace it out and stuff like that. The only thing that's been able to save me and keep me sane is, my love and creations of food
0: so how long was it before you start like before you started getting back into cooking, right so your dominant side, you're paralyzed um, can you talk a little bit about your rehab and what that process was like?
1: well i was uh I was married, and my ex-wife took off
0: during the rehab process.
1: Yes, yeah, she left me uh in November, which would have made. Five years that we were married, and it would have made one year anniversary for the stroke. So, being left alone to my own kind of being left alone to my own demise kind of put a fire up underneath me to say, you know what? You're by yourself. You got to figure something out. And I started experimenting, making dishes.
0: Hold on. Was there, a, was there a period of depression there, though? Because it oh, seems like, uh, yeah. I mean, oh, like, yeah. I don't know how I'd recover. You've already got this life-changing thing. Now your wife's left you in the midst of it. There must have been some period where, like, you weren't feeling life.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was, but I did it while I was cooking. It was a therapy for me. But the the thing that pulled me out of the depression was winning the um, Maryland Foodie Fest, the, the seafood competition with one hand
0: that's amazing truly amazing
1: I really and when I think about it sometime I don't I was leaving when they called third and second place I was like okay there's no way I won this thing yeah no yeah because I was like I I I was like it's obvious that these people don't know about good cuisine and good food and classy food so I'm gonna leave I need to worry about what's for dinner tonight You know, I need to get back to my solitude where I feel the safest. And they called my name. And I was like, oh, God. What was that winning dish? That was um, duck fat seared scallops over a mango mango corn orzo with micro celery. And I had one of the judges, I'll never forget him, he uh, said to me, he said it was already a nice dish, but the micro celery set it off. Big shout out to little little um, little wild things farm in D.C. The only female owned micro green farm. They I, I got them. I got that uh, micro celery for them.
0: And a lot of times I feel like microgreens are overrated and just an afterthought. So it's nice that you found one that really complimented the dish because I'm not a huge fan of microgreens. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like so often it just seems like an afterthought, like people just pitch it on there for a little color and it doesn't really bring much flavor-wise to the plate.
1: But see, that's the thing. If you like, okay, like that dish, micro celery, right? The the dish, the dish itself started off with a mango and, and corn that had been put through the juicer and some smoked sea salt and heavy creams it became an emulsion so then the the cob from the corn was boiled the orzo was born was cooked in that water so then you put a, a something snappy and a different taste of celery mixed up in there it just sets the paddle off completely the most unlikely most unlikely things I think I think if it wasn't for the micro celery, I don't think that they would have took a good look at me.
0: It's quite a feat that you won and I know the road to recovery to get there was not easy. What were you doing at that point professional wise? Had you gone back to cooking yet? Cause, no. You know, you no. 'Cause we'll get to that part in the story. You did become personal chef, private chef and did a lot of that. But this was but this was you weren't cooking at the time. This was just no. like cooking for the passion.
1: I was doing it for the passion, for therapy, for to, to let people, let my peers know that I'm still alive, that I'm still doing things. It was just very, very personal. It's like, it's like Sundays, I would get up and catch a lift to uh, DuPont Circle's Farmer's Market. And they just had all kinds of stuff out there. So I would just buy whatever I could, whatever I could afford. And they had stands that had proteins from like local farms, Pieces of bison, asobuco, you know, all good stuff that, you know, I can get. So long as it was, like, fulfilling for me to come home and make a dish on Sunday night, it really helped me get through a lot.
0: And when did you decide, then, that you wanted to give this a shot, you know, for your income, for your profession?
1: I wanted to give it a shot, again, because the bad part, the thing I worried about, let me say this, I worried about having... I felt i worried about slipping into a whole cognitive dissonance type of thing. I talked to other chefs that were handicapped and lost extremities, legs, arms, fingers, you know, stuff like that. And they told me, don't get so deep into it that you figure you can do it. And sadly, I did. And my judgment I question. questioned I I hired and partnered with some people who did not know what they were doing and it wound up costing me money. Hard lessons
0: learned, right? Man, t-
1: 2022 started off terrible. You know, I I I long story short, I was doing a wedding. I had been working with the people for such a long time. And I hired these guys that were gonna take care of stuff up front for me, while I took care of the food and do what I was supposed to do. Messed the whole thing up. I wound up paying back a, a huge portion, and I really hung my head for a long time over that. I took that. I took that harder than having the stroke and being left abandoned. That really showed me something about me. That I could have all these life things happen to me, but I took it harder. That I felt that I let somebody down, and I took. I'm not the type to go. Well, it was them. It was them. I took it all. I took it all.
0: What are the lasting effects from the stroke? Like, have you have you shown recovery? How far has the recovery come? Do you?
1: I'm working on my on my right side right now. My right side is just weak.
0: Can you like grip a knife and hold
1: things? No, with it? still no gripping a knife. But uh, with my, I can but I can still walk with my right leg, but my right leg is also in a brace.
0: So you're still dependent on people. Like if you go to do a dinner, you need sous chefs and people there oh, yes. to execute with you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've done a couple by myself, but I, I don't prefer to. I need a sous chef, um, somebody who is. Tolerant. Somebody who understands. It's like this. If I had to learn from somebody like me that only has one hand but has a lot of experience, there's no excuse. Because you got two hands and I got one. There's no there's no excuse. And I need to sit down every once in a while so I'm not fatigued. But there's still things that I want to accomplish. And... I'm trying to get there.
0: Well, I would love to talk about that because you and I have talked on and off for years on Instagram mostly. And you did send me a message saying that, you know, you, you were kind of done. That you had been uninspired about food. You were, you were going to be a content creator for people with disabilities. You had yes. spent 2022 chasing the dollar. Your book wasn't out. And it just sounded like you were basically sending me like a message saying I'm retiring. But then... You know, it sounds like you're not ready to retire. So, one, what changed? And two, what are you going to be doing?
1: I talked to my chef. My chef is Matthew Morrison. And, uh, he's the executive chef at the Congressional Country Club. He was the former executive chef at the Rich Carlton, Mariam Marquis, Rich Carlton, in Dubai. You know, he. I've been with him. I've known him since 2004. And he's my chef. And basically, in, in in a cluster of words, he was saying, you know, uh, it's okay to take a break. Don't take on more, because what happens with me is that I take on more than what I think I'm of what I'm capable of. And then when it doesn't go right, I get depressed. So I have to stop that kind of behavior, and only do what I can handle and plan better. And like valentine's day is coming up a lady named a lady named deportia she called me on me she was like look i know you're retired but can you show me something one more time okay
0: did you cook all the way straight through 2022 like up through december and the holiday nah. when did you kind of stop then
1: yeah i kind of stopped i would just do little things like um like i fed the girls at the odu um ODU ladies hockey team, the Lady Monarchs, I would, I would feed them like three times a week. You know, I just kept my chops up. I did more reading and stuff and, and learning about different kinds of foods.
0: So it sounds like now what you're doing is you're transitioning into an ice cream business, correct?
1: Yeah, but the hard part is, is that I can't be a hypocrite to the people who I've taught. And let me tell you what I told them. People who I taught and people that I work with, but mostly people who I taught how to cook, they would try to get the catering thing off and make it happen. And they were like, you know, I just want to be low key. I want to be on the ground. I was like, dude, you don't get to choose that. The people do. Because as much as I want doing ice cream, right? Down in Virginia Beach, it does get cold out here. And I was doing lobster bits. I'm I'm from New England, too. They don't have a palette for a lobster bisque. So it went crazy. Because they were like, whoa, what's this? No crab? No, I don't do under- yeah, you got crab and everything, that's fine. But we do lobster bisque. So I'm I'm selling the lobster bisque like $15 a quarter $15 a pint. And they're buying it. So transitioning to the ice cream company, if you read the thing that I sent you. Here's the thing, when I was abandoned and left alone, when I got home, uh, way after I got home from the hospital, when you have to apply for a disability, it takes eight months. And I remember not having nothing at all. Once I was left by myself, I had nothing. The culinary community and family chipped in to make sure that I was okay. So I was doing an ice cream one time, and a guy who was pretty handicapped, he, he but he could drive. He came to pick up... A, um, he met me in the commercial kitchen, and he came to pick up. I made this chocolate ganache with toasted marshmallows. I toasted the marshmallows first, and then let it whip in there. <laughs> he was just like, please, can I, can I have some? And he didn't have all the money. And he was like, is there any way that you could cut him out? I said, "Do I said, go ahead. It's on the house. Go ahead. And he was so grateful. He walked away and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to build this company, but I'm going to come up with like 50, take $50 off of every thousand dollars earned or whatever. However, I'm going to break it down, but I'm going to put it into a fund called the come, coming home fund to help stroke victims that are just learning how to put their pants on, or just learning how to set up a, a, a podcast. Five years ago, I would have been standing here looking at the phone, and I would just would have got frustrated and say, forget it. You know, you lose all sense of power solve, problem solving, and, and math, and you know, there's certain things. Everybody's just different. Yeah. When I when I won the when I won the Maryland Foodie Fest Seafood Award, uh, if you ever seen the video, I, I couldn't walk that good. And I was so afraid walking up on the stage that I thought that I was gonna fall. I try not to look at it too much. I'm I could walk a lot better now. But back then, and just to have the award and, and hold it up over my head and listen to the crowd. I was like, man, I had to go through all this to get to this. Cause I never won a competition. I've been in plenty of competitions, but I never won. The only competition I could put behind my belt, put under my belt was I battled the Chef of the Year in Maryland. The, the former executive chef of um Miss Shirley's in a brunch competition. I was scared out of my mind. And all I was doing was pushing the best that I could. And again, I did not expect to win. But she was so gracious after I won. You know, we took pictures and everything.
0: So your goal with the ice cream is to provide funds for those post-traumatic physical or mental disabilities.
1: Yeah, whether it's paying some of your rent. Whether it's uh, getting you an Uber gift card, whether it's you know give you some groceries, something through DoorDash, something through something, something to help because when you have been left and you don't know your cognitive skills aren't good, and you have all these emotions rushing through you like resentment and and then you're nervous and your sensory changes. So something can make you jump, you know, a car backfiring or something like that. So
0: how do you decide who gets funds and how you're distributing them? Have you thought about that? Like, is there going to be like an application process?
1: Yeah, it'll be more like an application process or with me, my customers, I get to know, you know, I get to know. And and like, for example, during the pandemic, right? Uh, There's a few people that were buying from me that were like, hey, am I such and such is sick? They got COVID. They can't taste anything, you know. So I knew from being in the hospital and and trying to get my senses back uh, that, uh, like, stuff like orange sherbet would help. So I started making, I made, like, 30 pints of uh, orange sherbet. And every customer that called me, I was like, listen, do you know somebody who's suffering from COVID? Uh, yeah. Give them this. Give them this. Oh, but how much give them this? So turn turned into a more of a humanitarian thing. I mean, I've been blessed enough to still have enough skill to to make something. So let me let me do what I can. Let me try to help them and show them that somebody really understands. You always hear that phrase, you know? You don't understand? No, I I do.
0: So you're looking to primarily contribute to your local area, which is in like the Virginia Beach, Virginia area.
1: No, more than that. Honestly, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do at least the East Coast. Are you
0: setting this up like a nonprofit or is it still going to be a traditional business?
1: No, that part of it will probably be a nonprofit. Like the ice cream is broken down into different flavors. I mean, the different brands. There's, Tomlin's, which is the business. There's a new one called Chosen, and there's another one called um, Hey Baby. So, I gotta figure out which one of those is gonna be the nonprofit. It's a work in process because getting the the license from the Department of Agriculture takes forty five days, and that's why I'm getting started early.
0: And I want to talk about the fact that you're currently doing like a crowdfunding to get this off the ground, which, um, you know, I'll make sure that we get that info out there for everyone who can find it. But if people want to contribute and help you get this business going, they can contribute.
1: It's been going, it's been going good. I mean, people, people are dropping, you know, a little bit of $20, $50 here. And it all helps because Mayflower Commissary Kitchen in Virginia Beach. Just to be there, I mean, there's rent, there's raw materials. You know, I'm not going to make a custard. I have to find, well, I did find a high-fat ice cream mix, and then, you know, you hook it up. Because, you know, it doesn't make any sense to be cracking egg yolks and be on the uh, the stove and adding vanilla and all that when you can – Restaurant Depot sells a uh, uh, ice cream mix that you can buy. I think it's eighty dollars for. It's eighty dollars for uh, a case of four gallons, but I sell the ice cream for twenty dollars a piece. You see what I mean? So it will already sell itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, geez, with the cost of eggs alone right now, <laughs> it's uh, ice cream's not going to get any cheaper anytime soon.
1: Yeah, but what I tell people about eggs is that you know what? That's fine. But I understand that, you know, they're price I was like, dude, I just talked to somebody on the phone before you. I was like, you live in, in um, Prince George's County, and they were like, yeah. I said, well, look out towards Bowie in Maryland. There's farms out there that would appreciate you coming in. And I said, I'm not going to tell you how much they charge, but call me when you come back. So they they went up there and sent me a text like i had no idea i was like yeah catch the middleman before it gets to the store absolutely and
0: you get a better quality product yeah what are your ice cream flavors i know you talked about the banana being one of yours do you like how many are you making
1: there's a chocolate avocado there's banana pudding there's peach cobbler the strawberry shortcake has to be the best seller that i have because i taught myself how to make biscuits with one hand and I make like a I make the biscuit, but I make them like a shortcake. And I and I learn how to make uh the strawberry crunch and they all get churned in together with this strawberry custard base. Like this is one lady that buys them for me that's like she doesn't even have that's her lunch. She'll eat that, it'll fill you up so bad. um there's this chai tea, this green matcha. There's the chocolate marshmallow I told you about. There's um, birthday cake. Birthday cake does really well because it's just, when you think of birthday cake, there is no template for a birthday cake, whatever somebody makes you for a birthday cake.
0: And kids always love that. Like my kids always, when we go to a ice cream shop, like they end up getting birthday cake or one of those crazy colored ones. And birthday cake is almost always crazy.
1: Colored right, right, right. Um, The older community has been ordering butter pecan from me. During the holidays, I do a sweet potato pie.
0: That sounds amazing. How do you get the sweet potato flavor in there? Like, are you roasting sweet potatoes, peeling them, mashing them in there? I'll make the sweet potato pie. Like a whole pie? Like a regular pie?
1: But the filling, right? I'll put the filling into the custard and let it cook slow. But then i also bake the pie with the dough. So, once it all cools down, once I'm churning the sweet potato pie custard mix, I stick the whole pie in there. So, Thanksgiving was like, I'll take two, I'll take three, I'll take Sounds three. Sounds
0: awesome. I would be so down for that. I'm going to have to drive down there just to get some ice cream.
1: <laughs> it's, been, it's been doing good. If you
0: were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Like, Terrence in ice cream form. What flavor is that?
1: Tylenol. No. (laughs) No, it would be a a strawberry shortcake because it's complex and it's expensive. I actually jacked the price up on it because it's the most labor-intensive ice cream to make.
0: Yeah, I guess if you're making fresh biscuits just for ice cream, that that adds some time. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing because when the biscuits come out, they have to get, the strawberry and vanilla the strawberry and warm water and sugar that's been sitting overnight, they have to get that to get them soaked in it. like a traditional strawberry shortcake. The dinner that I got coming up in, in February actually has biscuits with the strawberry shortcake for two, but on the inside of it, uh, is a strawberry shortcake ice cream that's down sa- inside of it. It's are uh, very labor intensive, but I make it so that you never forget it. That's why I don't follow trends.
0: That sounds amazing. I We have been growing strawberries at home. We planted a patch three or four years ago, and there is nothing like when you get the best strawberries, right? You know, just going back to the, you having this stroke, right? Like, no days are guaranteed. And, I, you know, I know it literally changed everything about your life. For those listening who maybe have gone through something like that, what what do you want to tell them or or for people like myself who've never had to encounter that? Like I just you know like the it must change the way you live every single day. Your whole
1: perspective on life changes. Everything. It could be the sun is out, it's like 45 degrees right now. If it was a typhoon and it was raining, it would be a beautiful day. To me, because there's nothing better than life. When you spent six weeks in the hospital, six weeks of uncertainty, it's easy to get up and say, okay, I got to run the store, I'll be back. What if you have to spend seven minutes putting on your shoes? You can't just rush to the door. It takes time to get down the stairs. I will tell people this. Be nice and be good to people that are handicapped, don't look at them with pity. Just know that if you see them and they're still moving, don't look at them with pity. Look at them with pride and say, "Wow!" Because I could not sit down in that apartment in Hyattsville anymore. I couldn't do it no more. I couldn't do it, and I'm competitive, so I'm seeing everybody during the pandemic, and uh, you know, <laughs> I'm watching them, you know, make. There's, there's like a big agro trend. There's a this kind of trend, and they're doing this. And I, a chef locally, he got a, she got upset with me, but I told her. I said, look, I said, uh, if you were a fish and you were in a fish tank, you know that's all you would see, right? What do you mean? I said, no, you would see things you know, like a rock be turned over every once in a while that was done from another fish. But it's the same thing. I said, don't become a chef in a fish tank. I don't follow the trends. The trends start to follow you. When I did the banana pudding ice cream, it went crazy. And the Hampton Rose. that's perfect. But then I started seeing, hey, try my banana pudding ice cream with caramel. And other folks would get mad. I said, don't get mad. That just means that you can't make a move until I do. So it's okay. Cause for everything that you're gonna see me do, I got a million more, so it's all right. I'm at the age now, I just turned 53. I'm at the age now that I'm just like, you know what? I just want to create nice food for classy people, people that understand food and that are open enough in their minds to listen. That's all.
0: Well, I am truly in awe. I don't know how you do it. I hope I personally have, am never put in that position.
1: I hope that you um, never it, have to go through
0: you, it. You know, my father-in-law just had a mini stroke this week, but thank God it was one of those things that like five minutes, it was just a, a blip of garbled speech and then, you know, no lasting effects and he's had a ton of tests and stuff. but
1: You well, see, that's the thing. People don't, people, they look at many, because I had a couple mini strokes, but, you know, to me, I was like, you know, I got to keep going. If I would have listened to me right now today and be like, you know what? Okay, no more cigarettes, no more greasy foods, no more this, more vegetables, more this, more this. No, I kept going until the next one until finally the big one hit me. And then I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? So people that have mini strokes that I've talked to, I tell them, I said, wow, listen, Let me tell you, let me show you how not to have a big one.
0: We've been talking a lot about healthy eating already on the podcast in 2023. You know, I think there's something to be said, whether it's silly or not, but the idea of like the reset, right? Like people say, this is the year I'm going to get healthy. This is the year I'm going to focus on mental health, physical health. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that a lot of people do decide that it's time to take some of that seriously. I'm taking it more seriously than I have before. Well, Terrence, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, you're, you're so inspiring. I, I think this is a great place to leave it. Um, give our listeners something to think about, you know, as, as I've said, really kind of think about all of your blessings, especially if you have all of your, if you have all your facilities, right. and And everything's going well for you. You have so much to appreciate and, you know, slow down, right. Think about the small things in life. Again, thanks for coming on. And to all of our listeners, this has been Chris with the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. Go to chefswithoutrestaurants.org to find our Facebook group, mailing list, and chef database. The community's free to join. You'll get gig opportunities, advice on building and growing your business, and you'll never miss an episode of our podcast. Have a great week.